Hello and welcome to another edition of Spotlight, the Star Trek podcast where we examine the franchise for a non-Trekkie perspective. Today I'm joined by my usual co-host Matt. Hello. And we're also joined by Mr. Paul Wilson. He's back. Yeah, I'm here, hit my half here. Got a five week old at home, so it's just like it's <laughs> coming or going at the moment. But. Yeah, you've been away for a little while, haven't you, mate? But no, it's all yeah. it's all happened. Big big event. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. Fantastic. Congratulations, man. We're happy to have you back. We're also uh, joined by a very special guest, Mr. Shazad Latif. How you doing? Nice to be here. Thank you for coming, man. It's really good. We're coming to your own well, yeah. abode. <laughs> like, it's good to be back. <laughs> and you very <laughs> kindly invited us round uh, to chat. Um, obviously. You play Ash Tyler in Star Trek Discovery. Yeah. Uh, so that's a huge part of the new show, kind of thing, which we've been very much enjoying. Just wondering, usually we ask our guests about what we call Star Trek credentials. Uh, so this is kind of what Star Trek had you seen before you kind of got involved in it? Uh, what hadn't you seen? And kind of like, what was your first experience of it? And if it's nothing, that's fine. You're <laughs> this not, is the safe podcast. You're not an awesome I, I, track no, I think I've got like, average, yeah. average, pretty average credentials. I mean, I mean, my my granddad was a big, big Trekkie. Okay. And uh, on my mum's side, and my and my uncle, my uncle Bernard. Um, and I went around to visit him the other day, and I went into his little. He's looking a little mobile home, and he he was literally watching Next Generation. So that's <laughs> yeah, and that's that's <laughs> what I grew up with. That was the, the Patrick Stewart Next Generation Wharf. That kind of that that was my. Intro to Star Trek, sort of BBC Two, six PM, that kind of thing. That yeah, was, yeah. It's, 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 it's well. funny how often yeah, yeah. we get that exact response. That seems yeah. to be a lot of people's gateway. Yeah. yeah. Also, also, we all hate snooker. Yeah. And um, so that was the main one. And obviously, Spock from the original. That was sort of. I mean, I mean, I know the original a little bit, and mm. I didn't. I didn't watch. I didn't when I was researching the part. I didn't really watch too many other reps or anything because we're set ten years before because it was a prequel. Mm. Yeah. It didn't sort of affect our sort of research in any way so I thought you know what I'm before these guys so I don't, yeah. I don't need well it. yeah you yes. can kind of start fresh can't yeah. you yeah create yeah, yeah. something sort of new and I wanted it to, to be organic in the sort of creation process so that yeah. with the research I was wondering because like you said if you were playing a Vulcan you might have looked at sort of Vulcans of the past and obviously you're playing a human but you're also playing a Klingon so was there was there a split research there in well I will look or did they say the way we're doing Klingons in this show is going to be quite new and quite different well there was definitely a new fresh take especially yeah. the look and all that kind of stuff but also in the way that we we spoke the language and yeah. we and we and so there was a lot of research I look back on what the, the original idea of looking at them as sort of samurais and, and that sort of the peaceful aspect of it mm. wasn't them I know it was set during the war the first series but the first few eps when you see me and Laurel and um, uh, Takuvma you, you see us in that sort of peaceful aspect, sort of planning stuff and, and just walking around slowly and calmly talking with each other. And there was strategic elements. And it was it was that sort of... Because Japanese, you know, are warriors. Yeah. Like they're, you know, calm warriors. And it was Getting sort of, your own entire subplot. As yeah, yeah. Just, like, coming in. And it was... and it was We were trying to get that sense, sorry, sort of peaceful warriors. Mm. I like that sort of aspect of it. Because you joined... The, you know, you originally cast as uh, Cole, who mm. is the... Um, turned out to be the villain, well, one of the key villains of the first season. Yeah. And at some point, you know, you had discussions with the producers and your it shifted. Mm. And I just went, because there was like about a three-month gap when that kind of was change happened. Is that when you were kind of workshopping with, you know, because you were going to play a Klingon at some point, how did that kind of develop? I think because the, the, they, they were figuring out the Klingon storyline, there was just so much, there's so many writers, there's so many things, storylines to sort out. 
I knew I was going to play a guy who turns into something, but they just didn't know which one, and they were just sort of changing that. Sort of it wasn't really. quite a 180, actually, you know, the fact that it was going to be a, you know, an Ash Tyler role as well. You were signed up to play a dual role. Mm-hmm. I knew it was going to be a dual role, yeah. 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 The audition process was, yeah, it was quite intense and quite fun, but luckily I could do it all from here because we, um, we sent the tapes from here, which was, which was great, so I didn't have to travel <laughs> all the way over to LA. <laughs> yeah, how did that come about in terms of... Because obviously, I mean, it's... A, Big project, like huge franchise, everything like, it, was there a way, did you literally just get put up for it by I, your agent? Yeah, or? I remember walking down, I was walking down Kentish Town and my a friend that I went to drama school with, she was like, oh, I'm auditioning for this new Star Trek thing. I was like, oh, great. I was like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, and then a few days later, um, my, my agent said, all right, this is a new Star Trek project. And I went in, sent a first tape, and I had, we, we, it was a very, you know, the scene didn't really relate to what was going on. They do mm. that nowadays. They don't want anyone to know yeah. the script or anything. <laughs> So it sort of didn't relate. Sent it from the kitchen. I do most of my tapes with my mum. We got a little set up, you know, a little wall, and just sent it in, in hope. And then uh, the, the Alex Kurtzman and Akiva Goldsman, they'd seen me in Penny Dreadful with um, with Harry Treadway and that. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and so um, they'd liked my work from that. So that sort of helped. So that sort of skipped a few steps, I think. And they, and then I had a seven-way Skype audition with the producers and all this and this wow. and um, but they had they sent notes. But the night they were sending notes, I happened to be at my friend's like jazz night in Camden Town, so I had to go outside the club. And the guy said I couldn't return to the club. I said, "Look, man, I've really, really got to get these notes." So I was like in loud like Camden Town, and oh, trying to understand what I had to do. And then the next day, and then sent it and luckily they you know they went for it it's so, so strange when worlds like that collide when it's like the fast moving Hollywood like you know TV Star Trek and then back here it's just like London Club in Camden yeah, yeah. it's like okay <laughs> let me try and it's reconcile really these I've done it before for um, a couple of other projects I've, I've had to fly out and mm. it's just you know and it's three guys and you can all do it, but it just comes down to something, yeah. something small. And it's yeah. just... Was this going full Klingon in the kitchen? Was this the no? It wasn't. Actually, it wasn't a Klingon scene. It was. It was. It was a human scene, but it was. Um, yeah, it was slightly different. It was sort of similar to one of the scenes. Yeah. So, that, so you had the audition, and you kind of say, you know, we'd like you to come in, and there's a point which you kind of fly to LA. Is that when they start talking about the dual role aspect of it? Or when we, I knew it was going to be a dual role, but then yeah, as you get, you just get more information as you get closer mm. to the start date, and then we fly out and we did a read through, and then you sort of. And then you're in Toronto two months later and you suddenly yeah. moved your whole life there. Well, it's, it's crazy to think that sets are being built without the finished article. Yeah. That was the case, the case in this show, wasn't it? You know, they, the framework was there, just what was going to happen. Yeah. Still kind yeah, of Yeah, there like, was just so, so much, you know, it was, I suppose they just really wanted to get it right. And there were so many changes of, you know, of who's doing what and mm. showrunners and all that kind of stuff. Mm. And it's, um, it's just, there's just so many cooks in these kind of big, big shows that you just don't really know what's going to happen. But we, I mean, for us, we just have to focus on. Yeah. First down set, did it take you back? What was it like? First day, first, well, first day we, we, I mean, to meet everyone, we were in LA and we did a read through, and that was mm. quite strange. And then the first day in Toronto, we just sort of got a little, you know, look around the sets, and, and then you're suddenly in makeup at like 3 a.m. the next day. The second day is the worst because then you're actually on set and you're mm. you're going for a rehearsal, yeah. and, and no one really, you know, that's when everyone's it's the teething process and the costumes are hurt a lot and they weigh a lot and you're suddenly <laughs> trimmed out and it's just a whole very strange, very it's strange. A nip here, yeah. a tuck there, it's going to kill me otherwise. Yeah, yeah. 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 Because if you hadn't had that read through, people might not have recognised you for, for for weeks. Yeah, until you yeah, yeah. Actually, I remember coming in as the human on F five, and people had no idea. <laughs> yeah. I'd just done, you know, there was different units and different people filming stuff, and it was quite hilarious. I was like, "Hey, man!" and they were like, <laughs> "Well, because filming wise, was it Vok first? It was because yeah. I know obviously he's on screen first, but you never know how yeah. these things. Yeah, no, it was. It was. It was at two, at two and at four. Yeah. And, oh, okay. And um. So yeah, so I'd filmed that and, and then full prosthetic, so no one really saw me, yeah. And how was it doing that kind of dual role? Because they are so different. I, and I must admit, like even 
after I'd watched it the first time, obviously at a certain point there's a revelation that kind of, you know, you're the same character and everything. But because after that point, apart from maybe like odd flashback or something, you don't go back into the prosthetics. I think a part of me just assumed that it was another actor earlier on in the prosthetics and then you kind of thing and not that it was actually you all along. And I don't think we even realised that, did we, until we were doing the season two like spoiler special with James Dyer. Like mm. that I think we all kind of had that realization together that wait a minute, that was him earlier as well. Like, yeah, it's just because it is covery what because I swear even like physically, like because you're a tall guy, and like, I swear even physically you look smaller. Like, yeah, it's, right, it's, right. it's look much stockier. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. weight of the mm. you're wearing layers and layers, there's like an under layer, then there's the armour and the, and all of that and the face is obviously much stockier and yeah, wider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, you know, I'm I'd never done prosthetic work before, but it was, I mean, in one sense, it was horrible. Waking <laughs> up at 3am and never, and being, feeling quite claustrophobic and all that mm. kind of stuff and, and just sticky and painful and sweaty and all of that. But in another sense, acting wise, it really does take you into yeah. that. You're speaking Obviously, another language. Yeah. You've and, been kind of blessed almost with the kind of, you know, surroundings of this, the two big shows that you've done with Penny Dreadful and the set you kind of were afforded, you know, for a new character coming on the first season. It's just like, I don't have to do much here. This yeah, is, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. just going into that imaginary yeah. world, obviously, you know, it's, mm. It's harder for adults to get in, back into that imaginary world. Kids, it's easy. They, <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. they, and this is a George Lucas production. It'd be a lot harder. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You, know, yeah. To, you, know, <laughs> you share you share a cast with Doug Jones, who's Mister Prosthetics. Did he give a lot of advice on how to deal with acting through the prosthetics and just existing in it? Or was it? I like... think, well, yeah. I mean, we did speak about. It. Yeah, he, he he's just got a great. He just knows how to be calm. And it's just yeah. part of it. He's been doing it so long that he. But I mean, his what he is doing is because he's. The heel thing he does, he's basically on his tiptoes. Yeah, for, I never know where he ends and stuff for, begins. For, yeah, yeah it's really hard to tell. His body's in, he's just used to it. He's an ex-contortionist mm. and he just knows how to keep that sort of zen thing. And Anytime I see any behind-the-scenes thing of people getting the face cast, the stro- oh, it just makes me so... But, yeah, I've, I've done it. Have you done it? Yeah, yeah I've done it. And it is, it is I, the claustrophobia, I couldn't go through it. Yeah. I literally got about halfway through and was like, take it off. I was, like, so, I I was very, very frightened. Because when the actual, you know, master, the character, that's not as bad as the... Right, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, he goes right there and you've just got these nose oh, holes yeah. and that, you have to really, really stay calm for that because otherwise... Mm. It's almost like the facial equivalent of if you were having to crawl through a tunnel and you get so far and it's like, I can only get out the other end now, yeah. I can't. Yeah, yeah. You just have yeah. to like, wait until it's all done. I guess you just got to trust. You're like, these guys are the best of the best of the best of what they're my doing. Friend, my friend said he did it in Bulgaria once and these guys just left him. For hours. <laughs> he was stuck in the room and he was so scared and it was horrible. <laughs> but mine wasn't like that. Yeah. Jeez. Wanted to touch upon um, the fact that obviously the storyline you have in Discovery is really, really dark. Obviously deals mm. with a lot of heavy themes, rape, PTSD. And it was really, really interesting to me watching that develop over time and I was interested to see kind of how in the know you were about how that was going because towards the end of obviously season one split into two and it's towards the end of part one that you get these flashbacks and you find out oh okay um he was he was raped everything like that. It, it's dealt with very sensitively but then in the second half there's the big revelation of oh wait a minute he was folks, so that changes things slightly, and there was like a kind of question mark over that. And then in season two, obviously you have that big moment with the rail when you turn around and say, "Hey, when you touch me, it feels like violation," and you can't bring it full circle. And I was just really interested to get your take on it because that's a really naughty story. It's very yeah confusing, mm-hmm. but if, I suppose I just had to keep the sense that because it was Vogue first, and me, me always knowing 
that Vogue didn't go through. It wasn't right for him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. So for me, just to play, that was easy to just go, okay, Vogue's doing that and he's just gone through that and that's what's the actually happening. And then you just have to figure out when you obviously when you switch to Ash Tyler just to go, okay, so he believes this is real and you yeah. have to play that in the yeah. moment that that's what's happening. Well, that's good and that it, it wasn't charade then. I think that kind of makes it easier for you to kind of then go fully into it. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I can fully believe each one and then just know that we're doing something to the audience here rather than mm, he's really, mm, everything's really mm, confused. Mm, for me, it was quite simple. But just it doesn't cheapen it as well because it's, it's new ground for Star Trek and I think, you know, if it was kind of like a, you know, a, a, just for a shock effect and a big reveal, mm. it wouldn't have the same kind yeah, of... Yeah, I mean, you, it's hard to look because it was set in the war. I mean, we rarely look at soldiers in that way in in, in, in many things, especially like a big sci-fi, you know, like a big yeah. thing mm. like Star Trek. It, to touch on soldiers like that, you know, it, I thought it was very good and especially just the masculinity, that kind of stuff. And, you know, not just some guy who hides his feelings and everything's fine and you just get on with everything, which is what they do. You mm. know, stick to your duty and all that mm. kind of stuff. But yeah. to see the behind the scenes is nice. Yeah. But, uh, but that's the thing with Star Trek. It's almost like, you know, it's such a family show in the next generation. They, you know, no matter what they've been through the week before, there wasn't very much psychological damage. One trick to cancel Troy, you're fixed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, only Picard carries with him the book. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's it. You know, he's really the only one who gets an opportunity to kind of play that. So it's kind of good to know these people are fragile and, you know, have the frailties. Yeah, because you still have the thing of like, all right, we've got this mission, we have to do it, Michael and Burnham, they have to, you know, they have to go off and do their thing. But um, to know that he, every character has some kind of thing going on. It's, Scar, it's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I was just really glad that it wasn't just thrown away because it felt really valuable for a show like Star Trek. And I think, you know, Discovery... I think if you look at the way it's handled diversity everything, and also issues like that, and of course, like the relationship um, between Wilson Cruz and Anthony Rapp's characters, like these are all, as Paul says, like first for Star Trek. And I think it would have been really sad if it had just been the revelation was, oh, it was fine. It was fine. But by kind of interpreting it through Ash Tyler's psyche, to him, it was still real, yeah, and yeah. he is still suffering from that. Yeah, and it's still, yeah, as you said in season two, it continues. It's their, yeah, their relationship is forever damaged because of that. Even if that didn't happen, he, they can't, you know, mend that bridge. Or They're never going to be like able that. to make it work yeah. because of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. definitely. It's interesting. Like, with then on season two, actually, you know, when you're kind of reintroduced and you have that kind of Klingon world, home world set episode, there's a you're quite elaborate fight scene that you get to it perform. And I, I was thinking of like it's something like a House of Flying Daggers, I think. With, yeah. Stuff then you mentioned like the Japanese influences. It kind of like actually makes more, quite a lot of sense now. To yeah, have that kind of visual aesthetic. You know? Yeah, is that quite quite fun to do? It was very fun. I mean, we had these great great stumpy. I mean, Chris McGuire and Hubert Board are these brilliant brilliant martial artists, and and obviously we don't get much time to to do these fights, but um, mm. but to 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 add that in, you know, to have a whole set piece kind of thing is mm. is and to give it the visual flourish that TV sometimes doesn't have the time for. Yeah, I you think know. second season definitely upped that kind of production value. And I mean, the first one was amazing, but the second one even more so took, yeah. that, took that element. I mean, well, that's the thing you see, you know, you still kind of, you know, the, the next generation crew and interviews would bemoan the fact that the, the schedule was just relentless. And I think, do you feel like it's still, whilst it's got all these cinematic trappings, everything shot cinema scope and that kind of thing, does it still have that kind of, you know, fast pace of a. Yeah, know, I mean, show? yeah, it inevitably had that thing where you, you you start off and you might have a bit of time and then it's yeah. suddenly episodes are catching up. Watching, and got, yeah, 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 and, yeah. It, and it does become that. And it's. It's good for sometimes. The one on then, yeah, yeah. It? Sometimes that can be good because you sort of just get stuff done and you're like, okay, I'm just going to do this episode and it's mm-hmm. done or something. But, you know, with film, I do prefer film for that reason that you can just spend some time. 
stuff, you know. <laughs> I guess it probably doesn't feel like the halfway point between kind of British six episode shows and the US network stuff of like 22, 24. Yeah. It's like somewhere in between, but yeah. like, there's still so much to do and action yeah. and everything. So yeah. you never know how much time you're getting on these sequences. And so it's great that, you know, it comes out so incredibly yeah. well. I mean, everyone works, yeah, pretty hard to try and, to try and do their best, yeah. It must have been quite nice that your first episode as Ash Tyler was almost like a little play in itself with you and Jason Isaacs and Rain Wilson. It was the of course, perfect, all perfect, perfect yeah. I mean, these two guys, I was literally watching American Office like the night before. I was <laughs> yeah. And I always watch it just to like, it's just a lovely thing to go to bed to. Just yeah, 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 yeah. And then Jason Isaac, he's been like, I remember the first night I met him, we played table tennis for hours. We were like, should we just go hang out? Like we did a little read through or something. And, um, I was like, yo, me and my brother, you know, we love you in Armageddon. And it's that, and it's just, you're working with these people and you're like, this is mad. And we, yeah, we literally spent, like, it was just a lovely way, a way to come into an episode. I thought it was really nice, nice the, the way they did it. Um, we love him in the Patriot. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's just he so good. He's having a lovely. Yeah. <laughs> How is your son? The dead one. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, I think it was just a really nice way of introducing that character because within one episode, you really get a feel for who Ash Tyler is. And I think also, like, if you look at Star Trek Discovery, so obviously you've done Penny Dreadful, but it kind of feels like Discovery was probably maybe the biggest thing you've done up until that point. Yeah, yeah. And obviously you had become, I remember when I was watching it, I was going, like, I knew you from Toast of London. <laughs> yeah. And then obviously I was a big fan from that. And But that is a kind of a very specific character. And within one episode, I was like, this guy's an action hero. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he like turns it around. Like, you know, we were like, you're being terrible. You could be the security, new security officer. And I was like, totally convinced. I was like, yeah, because I just think it allowed uh, to build up that relationship between um, you and Lorca uh, within the episode where you, you kind of came out with a brotherhood. Yeah. So all, all the more upsetting when you found out that he was traitorous guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, just... just to have these you know the, again these relationships between these characters this father figure this brotherhood of the, of the soldier you know just mm -hmm. it was just a great character yeah and coming from something like toast just to completely change it up is mm -hmm. always is always you know a joy as an actor just suddenly do something people i think i can be a security officer i'm a skinny little <laughs> you know that kind of thing it's, it's fun to do yeah 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 no i bet and of course you know a lot of your scenes are with the lead of the show Michael mm. Burnham and like how was that knowing at what point did you find out that that's where their relationship was going to go uh I knew I was going to be the yeah the romantic lead right. I mean I was, I was told at the start of this, this guy's going to be the romantic lead so and that's mm. you know for, for a young Asian actor who's trying to you know have an acting career it's always nice to go okay the romantic lead is it that's yeah, yeah. Rare. that's not, i haven't seen that before i rarely see that like, omar sharif or you know, like, <laughs> yeah. that's it. like uh you get one every 50 years yeah one every, <laughs> yeah, one every, yeah, so it's it's always nice to try and break new ground in that sense mm. and it's and and especially with a, a black female lead and, and a half mm. half asian man it's i think just, this list now of like you know so i am like playing dual roles like a uh, romantic lead yeah and, so it's like, and uh chief security is like this is like the jackpot now, you know. And when did it kind of sink in that you got this? Like, you know, you. you I mean, you after the first season, when I was getting yeah. season two, I was like, "There's no way I'm going to do as much stuff in season two as season one." I sort of just knew I was like, "This, what I've done in this arc in season one mm. is pretty incredible." As for any actor to do, yeah. in their whole career, it's, it's a just busy seasons. Well, there's a lot of yeah. stuff in there. You mm. come away with like quite be able to kind of cover that ground. Yeah, and so you started like you know with you know season episode two and four. So you know you know you got like a slower start than others. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. To still end up there with all that. It was um yeah yeah packing it in was quite quite incredible and it was sort of a whirlwind we sort of sort of 
th- those ten months, it was pretty busy. Mm. And I didn't. I came home for like two weekends, and it was pretty intense. But it's, um, was there a point when you felt the impact of obviously the like the, the fandom of the show? Because obviously it's a huge thing, like with cons and like all the fans and everything. Was there a moment when you? started seeing posters or people coming up to you and recognizing well, you and yeah <laughs> i just know yeah. you've got a poster right here destination star trek which yeah. is of course I think very that was well the first known one. yeah the, the the one in dortmund the first sort of germany one i went to that was that was the first time i realized because there was people at the airport i mean san diego comic-con but for the first year i couldn't really say much press wise mm. so mm. it was that first germany one where everything was out in the open and um i was like wow this is this is pretty big i mean i knew but you don't really know until yeah yeah i guess you could think going in it's gonna be big if it's star trek but then after because obviously you're so far ahead of everybody having done it before it's airing and then before it's connecting with people i think it's just yeah even from the star trek from years and years before when you see the cues and never and you're like wow this is well i think this is the crazy thing isn't it it's that kind of whenever you do a franchise like this it's sort of like you've got a job for life in the <laughs> yeah. sense of like i remember we, we met a guy who had played a very very small role in star wars episode one who you could name you're yeah who you could name because you're a big star wars <laughs> and, and like yeah we would chain to him in a bar and literally he was still going to cons like 20 years after phantom menace had come out and you can't even see his face. It's in every star, favorite Star Wars film as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he's still. Uh, I wait two hours for you. <laughs> he's like, oh, I'm so glad when the cons roll around because, like, you know, I forgot to pay the rent or whatever. Like, uh, and like, yeah, and he's and he hasn't gone on to like that much. But it's that thing. Okay, he played this tiny role and he's still making bank off it's, it. It's, mad, years it's, later. Mad, it's mad. crazy, man. I think it is only Star Wars and Star Trek where you can do that, where you can be somebody. Doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a few. There's a set few that are just yeah, mm. keep it going. Maybe tell from posted the top billing. It's like yeah, it, yeah, and then it's like Xenia Warrior Princess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and some Holby City ones now. Which is bizarre. Yeah, yeah. I find it really interesting that you were talking about season two and your role being different because it's something that I notice. Obviously, like you say, season one really intense. Um, you're playing this dual character and kind of flipping between the two very much. In season two, it seemed to me as if you'd more settled into Ash Tyler and kind of almost like Ash Tyler had won the battle for dominance and occasionally they brought out a bit of vote if it was required. It's like, quickly, we need someone to speak Klingon. And he's like, and I wondered how you felt about that, if that was something you were kind of, you were glad to kind of push past or disappointed? I just knew, I mean, I... I, I like to do a lot of writing stuff as well, and so mm. I was always I always trying to look at that sense of like what what's going on in that writers room, and I sort of knew there's so many characters, there's so many storylines you have to, and obviously if one of you gets you know a big big storyline here, mm. you've got to switch it up naturally. That's the sort of progression, and I just felt like I sort of knew that was going to happen. I sort of felt it coming, mm. and I didn't mind because the whole, the whole second series moved on. It was peacetime. It was sort of about everyone finding themselves, mm. you know, mm. uh, how they how they fit in and that kind of thing, and um. Yeah, and I, I just, I just knew that I didn't mind because I knew there'd be nice scenes with, with Sonequa and just sort of yes. figuring things out, and, and so I knew that would be figured out. But um, to having to keep change, and I didn't, I didn't, I was happy that I didn't have to keep going back into prosthetics or anything like that. I was kind <laughs> yeah. of worried they were yeah. going yeah, 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 yeah. to go Can back we, again, or you know, another operation. Or <laughs> Can we just use that clip from season. Yeah. One? <laughs> okay, okay. She gives you a very hard time in season two yeah, uh, for joining section thirty-one. Yeah, which I often was like. He's been in there for five minutes. Yeah, it's great. Like, like, it's a work trial. Come on. Yeah, it's working for him. And this is, uh, this is interesting as well, of course, because we've now got the Section 31 spin-off on the go. And at the end of Season 2, we couldn't help but notice you're not on the ship. 
Yeah. And kind of obviously you're in section 31. It kind of leads you down the road potentially. And I, I see you already clutching onto your NDA. <laughs> the uh, but you think kind of, oh, well, maybe it makes sense to go down a section 31 route. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, again, we don't really know much. It mm. all depends on uh, all I know so, so far, even from the head of CBS, I think he said it's going to take at least two years. But obviously, because oh, wow. Michelle Yo is so busy, she's got you know crazy conversations, mm. all that kind of stuff to do, and and so it all depends really on her schedule, and, and just depends what people are doing at the time, and, and obviously how they fit in the timelines, and if it all makes mm. sense, and all that kind of stuff. So I don't really know much. I only know that that's the plan, and if you know if if it all fits in in terms of schedule wise, then it, there's a way of figuring everything out. But I don't. That's all I know really. It's be the angel to. Discovery's Buffy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah. And I don't mind that popping in, you know, yeah, popping yeah, in. Yeah, classic four-parter. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, they've got to beam uh, Michelle Yeoh off Discovery first. Yeah, she's got to get, find uh, her way back. Oh, perhaps you swap places. There you go. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's another thing as well. Learning Klingon, because you speak it very well. Like, uh, thank you, thank you. how how was that? Because that's something where it's kind of steeped in a lot of history in terms of other people, other actors, kind of, you know, just very famous actors kind of speaking it, everything like that. Like, how was that getting your kind of head around that? Well, we were, to, we were given sort of, yeah, f- 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 they gave us a lot of, of freedom in, in the sense that they said, whatever you say and goes on, on screen will be immortalised in that sense. And that's mm. sort of the way it works. And we had this great teacher and I'm... I'm I'm pretty sure she's a spy. Her name's Robin. She's a pilot. She speaks Klingon. <laughs> she sends emails in Klingon. She's, <laughs> yeah. she's, she's, she's a pretty, you know, she's a genius. And she, we spent like a day with her. Then we had a great, um, just, just people on set who were helping us out. And, and, and it was, for me, I don't know, there were certain sounds that made sense. There was the mm. rotikars, which sort of similar to Arabic and which I sort of, sort of learned a little bit when I was young and the mm. Spanish, you know, the, the, the Arabic, uh, sound, sorry, and the mm. rotic Spanish R's and, yeah. and, so it's, I fell into it quite easily, sort of, and we and phonetically we just sort of you know look at the page and then you and then you know what you're saying. I guess so. does it help when it's it is a functional language like it it's built up so much. Yeah, exactly. It yeah. So it's not like we're just inventing something a new language for the show and we're going to give you what you need. There might be a way of learning or getting your head around how stuff works. Yeah, you learn the you learn yeah, yeah you learn the words and and me and Laurel we would do a lot of you mm. know we rehearse in our if it was all in Klingon we would we would try and practice that as much as we could because then. When we're on set, you know, you don't want to waste time. And you end up retaining like a certain thing that you kind of just throw at each other when you see each other now. Like, uh, she does a lot of kapla. I mean, she's a very, you know, <laughs> she's, she's quite nerd in that sense. She loves doing that kind of stuff. But yeah. I, I, I only remember the first thing I ever said, which was, uh, I, I will light the fire, which was cool. And that's the only thing I can remember. For some yeah, reason, now, if you ask me, everything else is. Yeah, you just wait until the Christmas family gathering. It's like, I'm just going to go and light the fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, did you get any Twitter heat when you brutally killed Hugh Culver? I remember hit people. I mean, I don't engage with any of that kind of stuff. Oh, okay. So I, I'm rarely on social. Very I mean, nice. so, yes. <laughs> and I see other people doing it, and they always get real. I'm like, why are you even? <laughs> why are you upset about it? You know? But I, I knew it was going to be a big backlash, and, and everyone knew, and, and so I think they were just going to have to figure it out because me and Wilson get on so well. So yeah, 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 yeah. So it's just. And he had to throw down in season two. That must be hard, actually. Whatever. Well, I didn't. I sort of just reacted. I was yeah, like, "Hey, yeah. man, just relax." I'm basically just going like that. And, yeah. And so yeah, he was. It was his first fight scene, so he was really wanted to get it right. Well, the and, place and, where you know, as they plant one on you, then that's the guy. You know, he has no experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I'm you, looking at the stunt guys. I'm like, is he, is he practiced? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was watching that, thinking, when's the clean one going to come out? Like, I thought at a certain point you were going to like, turn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Sorry, it's a reflex. Andre the Giant, just slam him down. But I mean, he really convinced in that scene, big time, because it's that thing of like up until that point, we hadn't really seen like Colbert do anything kind of badass, but he really brought it in yeah. that scene. Yeah, yeah. So you were suddenly like, whoa, okay. Well, they needed to dangerous. use those muscles. I mean, he's got crazy, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's crazy stacked. muscles. He's stacked yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, we, need to, we need to get something there. And this is his first fight scene, like as in on the show or that in his I career? Think, I think say? he said that was, uh, I'm sure he said that was his first fight wow. scene ever in, in, in anything. So not much call for fights in Ali Mobile. I'd love to kind of ask about Penny Dreadful because I'm just starting season three. I've started to catch up. Yeah. And on uh, Baby Watch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As much as Baby will allow. Is Pierre yeah. enjoying it? <laughs> yeah. He doesn't know much about anything right now. <laughs> um, but it's, um, you know, you're playing Dr. Jekyll and uh, Liam's filled me in, unfortunately. He said that. <laughs> They don't get to see, to see much hide. Like I just wondered, like was was that kind of a surprise to you that you was that ever going to be developed further? Because I, I think they the wanted to. Mm. I think John Logan wanted to do. A, I mean, they said it was always going to end at three, but mm. I think his plan was to do more. Very suspicious and, about yeah. this stage. <laughs> and, and he he wanted to do more, and and it would have developed into that. But then I think it was just you know what the network decided. But everyone, it was a cult. Cold favorite. It was one of my favorite shows to watch because I rarely like watching stuff I'm in. But this was I actually really enjoyed this as a film. Mm, I, and I thought it was brilliantly written, and it was every scene is like a you know John Logan's yeah credentials speak for themselves. So it's just it was it was I was really happy to be a part of it, and and it sort he sort of made it work in the sense of like he sort of turns into him in the sense of you know inherits that thing and mm. the anger sort of the switching is sort of part of it anyway he's got these two it's sort of that same thing of the dual character yeah in, in there in just you see it yeah sort of day to day, yeah so it's quite smart in the way he did that and it's mm. i think it sort of works and i i don't mind not having to do it again some sign of see i was sort of wondering like, are we going to do some kind of cgi and or, or whatever it, you know prosthetics again he was like don't worry don't worry <laughs> <laughs> not the prosthetics again yeah. <laughs> like uh, but yeah it just it is interesting to us i think because it's that thing where you get offered the part of henry jekyll i would have thought that most actors would think oh can't wait to play high yeah like yeah, <laughs> yeah it's just yeah. like and to kind of not kind of get that kind of like thing must have been like Ray Winstone like Russell Crowe did (laughs) (laughs) he's like I mean did you have like you must have had a plan in your head for like how you would play I was starting to think about it but then when I realised when we had a conversation and I realised that's not what's going to happen you could again you saw it in the scenes of the switching Mm. between his relationship with with, uh, Frankenstein Mm -hmm. and um so that that I was sort of happy with that because I just liked those two handers I liked playing that relationship it was for me it was just great to just get to speak those words so it was just um, mm. I didn't mind that and it sort of made sense for this mixed race check, you know check and I it was just another first and I was like mm. hey, let's put some colour back into history and that's, <laughs> you, went, yeah, you know that, that kind of thing so it was another enjoyable thing in that sense yeah no it is, it is a great show and it is I think kind of always find it a bit of a shame that it kind of got cut down when it did mm. and like you know I always felt it always felt like it was actually meant to go on and maybe they had to wrap it up at the last minute or kind of something like that. And now they're doing this spin-off. Yeah, like, you know, which LA, seems LA spin-off. Yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of like random considering like that. But, you know, I, I look forward to it because yeah. I was a big fan of the show, definitely. I, I wanted to try and take right back to the beginning um, and kind of just find out really, because I looking back and researching, I can see one of your first roles, you really went straight into it with like regular role in Spooks which I believe you left drama school early for. Mm-hmm. I mean, kind of, 
Yeah, I'm interested, kind of, you know, based on your kind of own background, how you found your way into acting and kind of, you know, from the impression I get that you had a reasonably working class upbringing. And so, and to be honest, being someone who's work comes from a working class background myself, like, it is quite hard to break in. And kind of like, how did you get there? I was, yeah, I was talking to this about, you know, to my nephew the other day, how, you know, t- t- I think it's like 2% of actors or something, mate. Mm. And it's just that thing of, I was very lucky from just to have that dream from young and, I think I was always. My mum was obsessed with movies, and my dad worked in a in a. He was a film reel changer in the seventies in a cinema. I think that's maybe a slight influence. And so my mum used to keep a diary of all our favourite movies. And this this wall used to be stacked with every single DVD that I in the shed. I had to take them down because I'm slightly older now. So, but they're in the shed there. So I got you know I was always obsessed with movies. And then my my dad was a black cab driver. My mum was a a cleaner for years. and, And and so there wasn't really. There wasn't really an acting background, but then my one of my best friends, his dad was Trigger from Only Fools and Horses, and he was you know a big comedian, Shakespearean actor. Yeah, so. yeah. You did the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I listened to it. Listened to it the yeah, other yeah. day. Yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 so yeah. That was a sort of you know a little. I'd always go away with him from age eleven with my best friend and up into the countryside, and we that was sort of like a you know another cultural upbringing in that sense of learning about Shakespeare and poetry, and and his mum's a poet and. So that was another, you know, influence, and he helped me to get into drama school. He passed away um, about five years ago now, something like that. But he he was a big, big influence on me as well oh, in that wow. sense. But um, but other than that, it was just having that dream from young, and also, you know, it was a great dream to have. But I also knew it was a way out of sort of, you know, we were very poor. You know, I used to live in the the council flats around the corner. Mm. But it was just a way out, and luckily this industry is, a, you know, for some reason it pays well. So you're just going, okay, if I can get there, if I can just, yeah, you know, yeah. do this. So I just went to a little youth theatre down in Camden Town and uh, tried to just filled out the drama school application forms, and you know, and just tried to try to get in, and that was sort of it. I remember my sixth form tutor saying, never to, that don't try and get to drama school was too hard, and I was just like, oh, you shouldn't really be encouraging <laughs> <laughs> me. Yeah, in that sense. Like, yeah, 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 but. Um, yeah. yeah, and that was. I think I was just lucky to know that's what I wanted to do, and 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 maybe yeah. it was a way out, and. Just kept trying and luckily got into drums. I mean, I remember the Bristol Old Vic audition. I, I had to, they, they had to, you had to sleep, pair up with someone and sleep in a hotel on your, your overnight weekend school. Mm. And I remember a guy going out and getting drunk on the night before his audition. I was like, what are you doing? He was like, you worked for our Viagra company. He was like 45 or something. Like that. <laughs> yeah. I came in really late and I was like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, I can get as drunk as I like. I yeah, got yeah. Viagra. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> was, it's just those weird sort of steps. I don't want to share room with you. <laughs> yeah, I definitely didn't want it. Like, it was really weird. And I'm pretty sure for some reason it was supposed to be two single beds, but I'm sure our beds were together. He, yeah. he, he pushed them together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's just those little steps you try and, you know, and, and you take a step by step. And then I went to drama school and, and I remember I got jazzed because my friend, he'd had an agent before he'd come, like a, a, a child agent. And right. he said, I'm going to do this film in Germany. Agent was a child. Yeah. was real hot. And he was, I got jazzed because he said, I'm going to do this film in Germany. So I remember um, uh, just calling up because uh, when I was 18 I had a young actor my drama school uh, my drama teacher had, had, had given me a young actors agent I think it's where Daniel Kalura went it's called Yaptis mm. in Angel and um, auditioned for them with like a speech from like David Mamet thing or something and they sent me for auditions when I was 18 while I was auditioning for drama school and I auditioned for Slumdog got down to like last three last two with like Riz and Dev and that kind of stuff mm. and um, I met my current agent now he was assisting Danny Boyle and uh, I remember going to see Jerusalem with Mark Rylance, tying my shoelaces at like eight in the morning and then looking up and seeing this guy. And I was like, hey, man, I saw you like six months ago. And I was like, where do I know you from? And he's like, oh, yeah, the Danny Boyle thing. And 
I was like, come see me in a play at drama school. So we're doing like a midsummer night stream for kids. It was the only thing I could show him. I was like, do you want to come see that? And he's like, yeah. And so he came down and he sent, I went to meet him and his mum, Lou Colson, who's my agent. She's a, you know, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant woman. And she sent me for this test audition for Swoops. It's sort of like, they just test you. I'd see how good this guy really is. And luckily I got it. And it was just the way it worked out. And it was, um, that's basically how I started. And I just got that audition. It was very lucky to get that as a first, first skipping you know mm. things that you're supposed to do like hobby that kind of stuff there's yeah. little steps you normally are supposed yeah. to yeah feels like one of those shows that maybe there well, aren't that many of anymore where it's like you know you like your hobby and you casually and you bill yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and like spooks was maybe like a step above that and bit, bit genre and actiony but still one that ran quite a lot and you could get and in and it got american like yes. airtime too yes. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah and you were coming in on the tail end essentially when it was already a long-running hit show like because you came in like eighth series i yeah, think yeah, yeah. and you were regular pretty much in pretty much towards the end and like that must have been crazy knowing not only is this a regular part but this is a massive hit show, it's kind of a cult show at that yeah. point. Yeah, it was very strange. I mean, it was the, working with Nicola Walker and Peter Firth. They were they became my sort of you know at that time it was they took me under their wing and it was like a little mother and father figures. Just I, it was it was a great training. It was two and a half years of just learning you know learning things about the industry and just what it was. And I I didn't feel comfortable in that role. I didn't ever feel like I sort of did it justice. I didn't know what I was doing really. I don't think at that time I was trying things out and I didn't think they really worked. But it was a great, great learning process. And I mean, I just spent a lot of time looking at computers, really. I didn't really have much time with human beings, really. But it was, um, but it was a great, great experience. And it, and it sort of helped me just sort of... It's the context you made. And, you know, having those advocates early on in your career, like, you know, it's it's an invaluable, isn't it, yeah. later on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's nice to because they don't think they go to every act and go, you know, I'm, I'm going to mentor you. And I think, you know, you've got something that it must feel good to be kind of singled out almost. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. I mean, Pete... <laughs> Peter Firth's a great man. He's just a great, very funny man. And Nicola's just brilliant. And just to watch them work and, and everyone else, everyone else as well that I met on the show. But um, it was, yeah. And um, you got a big spook Steph scene, which they were very famous for. Yeah. I, Head I, in the deep fat fryer, yeah. like before and everything like that. It was, and it was in a black cap. So it was just, it was a nice, because my dad was a black cap. So it, was, it was just <laughs> yeah. a nice little sort of, it was just, it was just very nice. It was, and I died where I started the show. It was just one of those things. It was like a nice, death scene's a great. Yeah, yeah, my yeah. friend had a thing like we were in drama school. Like we got to have as many deaths, like a death scene competition. Like, how, many, how many times were you dying? Yeah, that's good. Favorite death scene? That maybe that maybe that. Um, does it technically have to be your own? <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah. There's a great death scene in, in a Brando film, The Young. I think it's The Young Lions. And yes, he falls down like he gets shot or something, and he falls down this hill. It's just an incredible. He he's really good at death scenes, Brando. He was he was very good. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. The Godfather yeah. one is brilliant. Maybe probably that actually. Yeah, yeah. It's probably probably <laughs> the one. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny. My dad actually recommended The Young Lions to me the other day. Like, uh, and I was like, "Shut up, Dad! You don't know everything yeah. about films." Like, <laughs> yeah. now I'm, I'm like, "Oh, I should." Yeah, it's, yeah, it's unreal. But um, maybe Kevin Spacey. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's a dangerous one to talk about. Like, yeah. In LA Confidential, he does a yes. The yeah. stare. Well, it's nice to watch him die now. Is like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's an incredible. I don't know what he does there, but it's yeah. If but, only he'd gone method. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, we should talk about toast. Yeah. Because that was kind of definitely a big, big part for you, just in the terms of kind of becoming. A bit of a cultural icon in a way. Like, I'd love you know, to hear things like that. Like, like, you know, but, I mean, seriously, <laughs> right? Like, what was the most recent, like, you know, 
catchphrase that would have entered the pop culture in, in Britain and it's been you know I couldn't think of anything kind of near that other than I mean they tried to force one on us in uh, extras wasn't it with uh, you had a laugh oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah. Uh, well, that's I suppose that's what I was always frightened of watching it you watch extras and you go well I definitely don't want to be a person who has a cat and then you're like oh f-, and then yeah but then I don't know but that's just... the thing because it's it must be weird because it's not actually you who says the catchphrase you set it up yeah, nothing, yeah. but it's because it's mm. using your character's name yeah, yeah. and you're that, and such it's a... easy to live because you need two people to do it yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. you get to yeah, set yeah. it up differently each time <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 exactly and it became such a, I mean do you think at the beginning did you guys kind of know that was going to be a running gag or I, I, yeah. when I was doing it I was like well this is definitely definitely not funny what I was doing I was like what I'm doing what I'm doing is definitely not funny and I had like casting directors and when we do read-throughs everyone would laugh and I'd be like are they just doing it just to like make me feel better I, I didn't really honestly know and then yeah. only recently when I saw a director my friend another she was like you've got to watch this thing that Shazad's in and she he, she showed this director and I just heard her reaction and I was like oh okay I get it because the re- then I get the repeated joke and I was just like I get because that's always funny any repeated joke is just constant <laughs> yeah. I think that's what's the funny thing just the constant constant and with somebody noise. like Matt Berry just getting <laughs> like so angsty and then you know what's coming and you know it's going to set him off yeah it's I like think that tension, the ang- yeah, the yeah, tension yeah. and the anxiety yeah the it's, anticipation of it yeah. the mixture of you playing it so straight I think and yeah. so, so authentically of that kind of like Soho wank <laughs> like with you know Matt Berry who I I mean I do think he's one of the funniest men in the world yeah, like yeah. Jenny, like literally anything he says like I can find funny I didn't actually like the It crowd but the episodes he was in yeah. I was just like just his delivery instantly cracks me up yeah. like, so it's just yeah. with Toast which I love like it's just great I just love that kind of absurd humour anyway and just with Arthur Matthews and just them two working together and mm. It was just a joy to be part of. We went to work and just watched him. You know, it was like we watching through the screen and just like, this yeah, is great. We got seats. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It was like, just brilliant. Joy, yeah. <laughs> Wearing some stupid costumes, so it was just um, it was a joy. Well, that's the thing is that you kind of you had quite a bit of input in your character. Like I understand, like so you 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 were just like spitballing ideas. Like well, what 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 should we come up? Well, we'd with always start with me in the costume, me in the costume. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We would just go, yeah. well, what what can we do here can we do, <laughs> yeah. how ridiculous can we go if you go down Shoreditch you do see I mean yeah. I might just be it's the tip of the iceberg what I do <laughs> were there any ideas that were shot down for nobody believed it I don't think believe. so I think we just got free reign like, yeah. and then Matt would just go yeah and then we just like yeah and that was it and so it was just a, it was just brilliant yeah. And you got to sing in the first episode. I mean, I don't know what you thought you got yourself involved in when well, there's a musical sequence <laughs> in the first episode. <laughs> I, we, I remember the first. I remember the audition. It was, and I don't even think it was. It was called Clem then. It was just like I was thinking. It was just like Steve. I, maybe Steve or something. I don't know why that. Made, you know, because his name's Stephen Toast. It was just some random name. Mm. And I just go in for one audition. I'd already been cast by Nadira, the the casting director, and something else. And she's like, "Just do this one line." I'm like, oh, "Yeah, all right, I'll come in." And went with two friends to the audition. Went, and, you know, had lunch after. I was just like. <laughs> I don't know what that was and I was like but I knew everyone who was working I was like Arthur Matthews is a fucking genius yeah. so I was just like um, but uh, and then yeah going in and seeing this first step and like oh, I'm just going to put some of my songs in it and I'm like okay <laughs> <laughs> so I've got like these toy trumpets and like the first step yeah, yeah 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 I wore my friend's uh, I think my, my friend Bart who actually he's my, my roommate he his dyslexic glasses. So and I was just like, this looks like Jeff Goldblum. This is yeah. weird. This is funny. <laughs> oh, this, it, you it, do I, look like Jeff in Goldblum first, in yeah, that first one. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I just thought, this is weird. Let's make this as weird as possible and put some weird, you know, anything, just a weird cardigan and and then it just went on from there. It's so funny, yeah. like shows like that which are all in the kind of 
the, like the deadpan or the execution, they must be strange doing them when you don't quite get a sense of what it is yet, especially coming for series one, so it's not even like it's on TV. Because so many of these shows, you kind of, you, you can watch them and be like, I get this, but to dive straight into things like this and be like, well, I think okay, it's I'm so time to trust. Yeah, I think it's so far out there, but if you do, if you're a fan of the absurd and, and if you just trust that, even mm -hmm. if like 20 minutes aren't funny, there might just be one thing which just cracks you up and it's worth that yeah one mm -hmm. moment. i think it's this is how i've got found it's always sunny in philadelphia you know it took me a couple of episodes to kind of warm up to okay now i get this now it's the funniest thing yeah I, you know yeah. and it's just you just need to give it some time yeah, yeah. i think you know every mighty boosh again another one where it's mm -hmm. kind of like if you're not you're not going to buy into it from like the first scene yeah, it's gonna yeah. it's gonna take a little bit <laughs> yeah yeah and that's the joy of it really i really yeah, yeah. And I think you're setting up for a new series, aren't you? Well, I mean, he's mentioned it. I think he's he's going to be very busy. He said, I spoke to I spoke to him and he said, uh, you know, I've just got to just find the right time. But, mm. um, I would love that. And I'm sure they mentioned one time Toast in New York or something. So that would be great. Yeah, I, I heard that as well. He's film, I mean, he's filming LA. a lot yeah, in yeah. Toronto at the moment and doing mm. what we do in the shadow, you know, all that. Yeah, so he's yeah, busy. He can pop out he and can do pop that. Out yeah. and we just... <laughs> I mean, yeah, Toast in LA would be. I mean, if, if Clem just turns up there or his cousin or something, you know, <laughs> yeah, I could just turn to the booth and you're still there. Just yeah, like, I'm, yeah, I'm, that also <laughs> work here. It's just worth it that one. Yeah. And you must have been a big Father Ted fan before. Huge, huge. Yeah, I, grew, I mean, that was one. Yeah, when I was young, that's what I grew up with. That and mm. getting to work with Arthur, and he would just people just change little things at the last one. You don't. Why don't you try that? And let's be like, it's just. Yeah, I mean, I didn't ever think I'd be doing that kind of comedy, and it's just. He's he's big train and father. Yeah, and just, yeah, man. He's been part of that yeah. whole whole thing. The Chris Moore, all of those guys, and Father Ted is one of the like funniest ever for yeah. me. Like, yeah. what almost I can just watch any time yeah. kind of thing. Like <coughs> the racism <laughs> episode of Father Ted <laughs> yeah. is literally yeah. the greatest thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that that was. Yeah. Do you have a preference between comedy drama or film or TV? Like, is there something that you want to be doing that you haven't been doing, or somewhere you feel comfortable versus? I, think, not? I mean, my favorite. Just growing up, my stuff that I like to do is, you know, like family dramas, art house. That that's mm. the kind of stuff I love. Just um, I would love to be in fully, you know. But um, I've ended up the last few things have been sci-fi, you know, horror, yeah. comedy, absurd comedy. You can never predict it, which is what I kind of love about this this, this career. But I think that's where I want to, you know, head. Yeah, I'm certainly a fan of uh, Separation, and that is, you know, the most cinematic family drama I think I've ever seen. Like, if you can do, if you can do it like that, that's the kind of stuff I want to be part of. But there's only a few directors who can make that family drama feel like I'm watching some kind of action yeah, movie that you can't just see. Yeah, that's just not done on TV. Exactly, yeah. You know, but it, you know, there's something very cinematic about that drama that just kind of just burns up the screen. Yeah, I think. yeah. yeah that's, the, that's the that's the kind of stuff I really really enjoy. But, yeah. Well, it was funny. I was actually doing a podcast the other day um, about Dead Man's Shoes. Yeah. Um, I mean, Shane Meadows is is the one for me. At yeah. The end of the day. Like, he's, he's, yeah, my favorite living filmmaker. And it's, it's funny what you're saying about the drama thing, like action movie. For me, that distills exactly mm. what he does, where it's this social realist drama, but it's kind of got genre trappings on top of it. Yeah. So you kind of feel like something like Dead Man's Shoes that feels like a bit of Ken Loach in a way yeah, but similar, Ken, yeah. it's got horror elements revenge movie set elements gangster comedy, elements there's always a set piece comedy yeah yeah yeah, yeah. You know, I, yeah Seamus is and I'm my friend from Nottingham we write together and we, he's one of our biggest influences so mm. it's yeah and Paddy you know yeah. so it's he can make a scene set in the living room be like the most nail biting that's what I love yeah, yeah if you could bring that yeah, yeah that sort of working class element that Ken Loach that Mike Lee I study film and I, those guys for me are like you know 
and he's taken that to the next level exactly what you're saying mm, so, yeah, yeah. who are like some of your favourite directors like Meadows Loach Lee we're talking that Brit- in terms realist. of British yeah those kind of guys social realist stuff I love but also lots of foreign language movies Pedro Amadabar Asghar Fahadi you got you know, the amount yeah. of our box out yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 without one DVD Paul Thomas Anderson Steve McQueen all those guys you know there's there's so many there's lots of you know um, yeah, McQueen, you'd be putting it all on the line for him. It's just like there doesn't seem to be like any film of his. It makes it like, like, like just an endurance test. Yeah. You know, yeah that yeah. hunger last 20 minutes is probably the most hardest film oh, you've ever watched. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, shame, you know, let's all hang out. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just, I trust you. I, let, I, <laughs> I just want to kind of, you know, there needs to be, you know, I'm waiting for the, the Asian director who comes out who's, you know, South Asian director who's like Paul Thomas, something like that. That's why I need, I need that to come. What would you be interested in directing? yourself is that something well, you're looking at writing I'm so, uh, writing and producing is something I love doing I love writing with, I've got a couple of partners and we and we write together and you know there's there's some things happening but um, that's what I love doing and produ- I can see myself doing that and producing I, I'd like someone else to direct my work I always you know I, I don't know if it's something I do now I, don't, I can't see myself directing now but I can definitely mm. maybe in the future but at the moment mm. I like that creative process of writing with someone else that can be quite rare as well to you know to be writing and to be to be open about I want someone else to direct this because I think a lot of up and comers try and do it all themselves or yeah I don't think I've got, yeah, I'd love someone who's got that eye you know someone who's yeah. just got that real director's eye to, to take it in, in a you know for example a family job they can make it feel like something else I don't think mm. I have that skill at the moment yeah. just finding that person who's on the exact same wavelength and yeah. knows what you're trying to do and say yeah. with something and be like okay I can trust you with this mm. talking movies you're looking forward to Blinded by the Light oh wait is you- that it's well, it's because I was listening to the other podcast you were on, um, which is the uh, Essential Playlist. Or what's, what's oh, the other yes. podcast? Yeah, Mix, yeah, yeah. Mixtape Assembly. Mixtape Assembly, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, on that, I think your first track was Bruce Springsteen, right. The Boss. Oh, yes. And oh, yes. Obviously, no. they do, yeah, Blinded by the Light. They I do. spoke to, um, so I just made friends with uh, the director's nephew. So oh, he's, okay. He's also in Year of the Rabbit. He's Amir. Am- 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 yeah, Matt Charlie, Berry's new Charlie, thing. Charlie, yeah, Charlie, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, it was, we're, we're buddies now. And um, he, his auntie um, di- directed it, and it sounds brilliant. Have you seen the trailer? <clears throat> I haven't seen the trailer, but he said it was really good. He looks so famous. wicked, man. Yeah. I can't wait, because so I was obsessed with Springsteen for a while. I reckon, yeah, about 21, I, I like left drama school and lied about like, going to my like, auntie's funeral at the time just to go to this concert in Bilbao. But she'd already passed away. So it's horrible. If you leave, you're going to get kicked out of drama school. I was like, I have to go to this, you know, and I spent like my whole student loan on this because I thought you get mm-hmm. every year, but you only get it one year. So it was, <laughs> yeah, it like, but, um, but yeah, I went to Bilbao and we watched Springs and it was just, it was, there was a little phase and it was... That's the best student loan use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I do understand because I've, I've seen it. spent on their education, which is ridiculous. We spent it on going to Vegas. Yeah, well, that's very true. Yeah, when you, when you could spend it on three and a half hours of Springsteen, like, yeah, which is what he did when I saw him yeah, uh, at yeah, Olympic yeah. Park. Like, literally three and a half hours of, like, the stamina of the man is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait for that movie, actually. Well, it's a coming of age thing, so it's like you probably connect with it a little well, bit. Well, that was also like, the. Yeah. I used uh, I'm on fire just that was my drama school entrance yeah. song so it's like mm. a, um, you have to sing a song and do oh, two, right, two, okay. two, two speeches in the song and obviously if you mm. can't sing that way you're like what the hell am I so it, I sang that most people sing like a big musical song or whatever but she was like it's nice to hear just a 30 second a cappella song I was like mm. great it's like you're auditioning for Drag Race or something like that. <laughs> no, it's pretty scary it's, great, it's pretty intense things. like yeah it's horrible it's horrible it's very scary yeah yeah but um, that's weird isn't it in terms of like it's drama school yeah I mean I know 
musical theatre and everything like that, but it's like, yeah, like to be, oh, you've got to be able to sing, dance. Well, like, no, I mean, like, we had some terrible, terrible singers and I was one of them, so it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's possible, you know. Get him to the back of the choir. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> you were talking about mixing it up uh, with lots of different projects. Um, something that's really indicative of that, Dark Crystal, which yeah. you got coming up. Um, tell us a bit about that because it does sound like a really exciting show to be a part of, quite different from anything that's come before. Yeah, I, went, I mean, I, do, I had a voice agent and she, and she got it through and, and, and um, I didn't really, I knew Dark Crystal, but I didn't mm. know who was involved with the project at the time, I didn't know how big it was going to be. I just thought, oh, okay, I'll just do this thing. And she was like, yeah, it would be great, fine. So literally sent a voice recording in, in the bedroom really quickly. I was watching, I think we were watching something with my girlfriend and and you just have no idea that where these things are going to go. And then we and we spent two two days in this room doing, you know, you think it's like ADR, but it's not. It's it's you have to match the puppet's mm. mouth, and, and it's quite confusing. And the director's there, and, and it's quite weird because the sound people are watching you get direction. That's always awkward. And you get notes <laughs> from someone, and you're, yeah. you're trying to get it right. And so it's, it's not really rehearsed, but you're trying to get it right in the moment. And it's quite mm. it's quite a strange process, but um, but it's going to be pretty incredible. Yeah. It looks because it, it, it's you know it's full puppetry, but it's also a mix of. The, it looks beautiful. So I guess unlike, say, CG animation, where I guess they do a lot of the voice recording first and yeah. then animate to it, I guess they can't really record you first and then match physical puppets to it. So that's yeah. an interesting switch. Did mm. that kind of limit what you could do? In, in a sense, of- it, yeah, timing and speed and, and just you have to... Yeah, it does. It, but uh, but not in... A, I mean, it just works. It ends mm. up just being okay and, and fine. But um, You're looking at the actual puppet going, oh, that's a really good performance. Well, I sort of like... I thought, the guy, I thought the pu- puppet's voice was better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is, is it just a puppeteer doing like a... Well, a lot of them, yeah, they kept a lot of the original guys and, and, and guys and girls, they, they kept their stuff. But um, then, and then there's hundreds of brilliant, brilliant actors doing voices. So yeah. I just really want to go to the after party because I want to see some of the guys I'm doing. <laughs> you get first chance to meet them, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, we did. I was like, to the I was like, we need to have a party because I want to meet, you know, yeah. I want to meet everyone. But isn't, like, who, like Mark Hamill, he, he in it, I think? Oh, it's, I it's think like there'd be loads of people. Because that day yeah. when the, like, press release, it was, like, announcing the whole cast and the trailer, maybe, it's kind of, like, blew the internet off. It's what always that thing with any kind of animation or kind of, like, uh, puppet thing that's big budget, you can get a sea of kind of amazing like voice cast because I, I think it's it's usually less work isn't it so it's like <laughs> so I feel a lot of people are like you know coming go oh yeah do a couple of days in the yeah, booth yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's literally two eight hour days or sort of two ten <laughs> yeah. we, we do have a friend who's been working on the show um, in the VFX oh, side yeah. of things, I know he's had a very difficult time so he's going to love hearing two hours in the booth <laughs> <laughs> his entire life for like five months just <laughs> oh, yeah I mean that's the thing it's that we, where obviously there is tons of puppetry in it and everything, but I think people sometimes don't realise the VFX trappings that do have to go on. That's how it. Like, yeah, yeah, it's been a lot of money, and it's been. I think it's been a long, long project for the, mm. the director as a celebrity. He's, he's put a lot of, lot of work into it, and he's been at every stage, and it's mm. taken about a long time. It's a Louis long time. Terrier, it's Louis yeah. Terrier, yeah, he's done all, all episodes. He's done all the episodes. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, and it's pretty intense. Because we come in right at the end, and we just come in, do our little yeah. bit, and then we're off. But they've been doing it for two, yeah. two three years. It must be longer. It would look so great. I really hope it kind of yeah, reignites like a, a love for physical puppetry again. Because mm. it looks like... Everyone knows it. Everyone knows they've seen it. They go, oh, yeah, I remember that weird... You know, yeah. everyone's like, that was scary as so hell. so much heart to it, you know. It's, mm. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm going to have to rewatch it before the Netflix show comes out because the film has hit Netflix today. Yes, yeah. it has hit Netflix today. The film they're getting people ready. Like uh, I, <laughs> I remember watching the beginning of Dark Crystal back in the day when I was, I don't know, like seven or something like that. And within uh, thinking, hey, the Muppets, <laughs> like, 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 yeah. And within like and two minutes, minutes Stacey's funeral scene. Yeah, they, yeah like, there's some like Muppet like crumbling to bits. Like, ah! <laughs> it was like really terrifying. It was terrifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. <laughs> it's a dark vision. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, uh, but no, I will definitely check it out again because that trailer for the new version does look immense. Yeah, immense. Uh, one thing, what completely random thing I want to ask you about, which I'm sure no one in any interview has ever asked you about. <laughs> Ordinary Lies, yes. Series One, yes. <laughs> BBC. Yeah, yeah. You were in that. Um, this was an anthology for people who don't know. Like this anthology show that went out on the BBC a couple yeah. of years Danny, ago. Danny Brocklehurst. Yeah, yeah, Danny, brilliant writer yeah. um, from Shameless. Kind of anthology show that um, was set in a uh, car showroom, mm-hmm. and you played a character called Rick, I think, yeah. who. At one point, his big storyline was having an affair with the boss's daughter, um, who was underage. She, she was f- 15. 15. Yeah, she was yeah. 15. Yeah. And um, that kind of like builds up in your episode to the conclusion. It's like in every episode, all I realized was like super intense because an entire series are packed into one episode. Going, and it builds up. Max Beasley is the boss. Yeah. And yeah. he's kind of, he finds out, obviously, that you set with his underage daughter. And instantly starts trying to track you down. And I, I remember I was watching this going, oh shit, like Beasley's going to beat the shit out of him. Like what's going down? Like the police are going to get called. And there's this big like propulsive end sequence where you're running about, trying to get away. And I thought, well, obviously he's going to get caught. Either Beasley's going to run into him or the police are going to turn up. And then suddenly you kind of leave your kind of girlfriend because you've got a girlfriend in it as well. Uh, so you're cheating on her as yeah. well. You go like, right, okay, I'm out, I'm out of here. Get in the car. You start driving off and I thought, well, he's going to crash or someone's going to crash into him and suddenly you kind of like put some music on the yeah. go, faster, go out and drive off into the sunset and kind of basically presumably go off to escape to another town, change your name, get on a next flight or something yeah. like that. And I was like, it was the fourth episode of like a series and I was convinced, oh, well, obviously he's coming back in the finale. Like, uh, yeah, this is going to be the big thing. That's going to be the revelation at the end where they catch up with him. He's going to cut to Spain. <laughs> he's going to be like, oh, <laughs> Mr. Rick, you're under arrest. Like, 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 <laughs> yeah. like, uh, but then that didn't happen. And I was always, I was just really fascinated as an actor to read that, especially now kind of like, because I can't, can't quite imagine them doing that I mean, now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, post Me Too, in the sense of going, like... It was really interesting. It was great drama. But I was like, the fact that they he got away scot-free, yeah. I was really shocked by I, as was As we all were. And I think they specifically chose it. I just thought... Well, it's true to life. How many, how many every day, how many pe- bad people are getting away with things yeah. every day? Yeah. I thought, you know what? The conviction rates like rubbish. Isn't how it? many so like, evil yeah, politicians are there? Yeah. How many people are doing bad things? And sometimes, yeah. most of the time, bad guys get away with things. Yeah. And so I just thought, you know what? That actually makes sense. And it's the, the jolly music makes it even worse. Yeah. It's more yeah. And it's just like, whoa! And you're yeah. like, some people are like, whoa, wait, what? And it's confusing. And I think that confusion is there on purpose. You're like, mm. shit, like it makes you think. You go, whoa, okay. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, because a that, part of you is you like, like you do like you're elated. Go yeah. think in terms of yeah, because he's <laughs> and then played you feel like terrible. yeah, that's <laughs> oh, the thing because he's played like a Jack the Lad. Yeah, I think yeah, you're yeah. like oh, oh, thank God he got away. Oh, wait a minute, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's tr- it's just true. It is true to life. Yeah. So I just thought you know that makes sense, and I get why it's it's crazy. <laughs> but, it's, uh, <laughs> but I think it, it, I think Danny knew what he was doing there. Oh wow, when yeah. was that? Uh, that was like 20, I think it was about 2015, 2014, yeah, yeah. Something, like, yeah. something like, yeah. so not too long ago, but the world has changed yeah. a lot, like in Just the last couple of years, now, and I genuinely think if that went out now, I reckon Twitter storm, because it was a popular <laughs> show, yeah, yeah. like, yeah, like people yeah. were like watching it and everything like that, so yeah, I think now people would be straight on going, what the hell's yeah. happened, like, yeah, <laughs> like, uh, but yeah, no, really interesting to hear your opinion <laughs> on that um, and Paul did mention earlier that you are now starring in Departure with Christopher Plummer also got Star Trek connection of course as yes. he was the bad guy in Star Trek sits the undiscovered country yes annoyingly I didn't get to work with Plummer which I was really looking for oh, but I didn't, okay. my, my character doesn't cross paths with him but it was uh, I, it was a director from from Star Trek TJ Scott and he'd done a couple of my big apps he did an episode 11 in the first series episode seven in the second series and he was like do you want to come and do this job um while you're in canada just pop mm. or squeeze it in if we can try and fit in the schedule and i was like yeah and it was archie punjabi and and it was just something that was very i wanted to do something just doing all the cypher stuff in these crazy costumes i was like i just want to sit down in a dressing gown and just do something really simple <laughs> yeah. and just do some acting just talk i to don't want to have to get dressed for this scene i don't want to get right? dressed <laughs> I want to yeah. wear something really simple and just talk to someone and get upset and get emotional and it was just yeah. that and, and he was like well palette cleanser after yeah yeah and it was this mm. and it's this part where i'm sort of the main girl's boyfriend and i'm by her hospital bed so it was just it was a very emotional stuff and it was hospital scenes and it was and it's i did get to wear just actually. yeah and i got to basically just wear this long coat and i was like i want this big coat and it's gonna be my blanket and that was basically it and it was and it's and it is it's really intense sort of emotional six uh six part drama yeah and it's a uh, six part yeah i think six part it sounds like Lost, like from the <laughs> logline, like I think. But I presume that there's a very different take. Yeah, and um, so yeah, so and, and and I'm sure it should be good. And I think it's on Universal TV here. So, so mm. but yeah, and I worked with TJ again, so it's good. You've got a lot going on, man. Like right now, this is, it feels like you're having a bit of a moment. I'm sh- I, there's a couple of things I'm waiting for, and it would it will make it a little bit. You know, I'm just waiting for a couple more little things, mm. and hopefully, when we talk in a couple of years, then. Yeah. Whoa. I'll come back. Now. I'll come down to Brighton this time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mate, you come down any time, man. Like uh, it's good, but you're you're a fan of Brighton, right? Yeah, yeah I went yeah. to the Funk and Soul Festival a couple of uh, few oh, weeks ago, okay. but I didn't tell you. So it's brilliant. I can't see. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh <my> that <laughs> aunt story again. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, you go Great Escape every year, don't you? Yeah, yeah. The uh, yeah the new music festival down there. I did uh, 2016 and then last year and this year which is just fantastic I mean that and Glassbury are the two I, well I've done Glassbury once but I did the, both of them that same year and that's fantastic just because of all the music bars and venues uh, mm-hmm. in Brighton you can really plan it everyone's got like half hour sets so you can kind of just bed in somewhere or run around you'd make a great line producer I've got a spreadsheet I've got a more than 18 minutes it's not happening that yeah, yeah, yeah you've got to be I mean it's great they, they get some really good acts like it's all kind of mostly all new music so there might be maybe 10 out of the 300 they got playing that you know already and then the rest are just trying to find no, I really enjoyed that, the, the Funk and Soul one it was a good, yeah. good lineup. Good, yeah. and the little, the little festival app they have is really great because it's like live how busy places are who's starting when so between that and my spreadsheets I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> was Craig Charles DJing at any point <laughs> 
He wasn't actually, but he was at, he was at Glastonbury. Oh really? Yeah, 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 yeah. I was just as soon as I heard the Funk and Soul, like it just whenever you see any poster for any Funk and Soul, so it's like great chance, DJ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. His, my his son was in my school. We were like best buns. Yeah. Oh, so I just really? so I actually went to Glastonbury, sort of under that guise of I was, yeah. you know, I was actually using someone else's ticket. But yeah. So I don't want to, but yeah. Well, yeah, big Red Wolf fan. Huge Red Dwarf fan. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was love your sci fi chops, like, you know, coming in. Yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've got Red Dwarf under my mouth. Exactly. Well, it's funny, the amount of times we've been chatting about Star Trek, and it's like, this is from Red Dwarf, or this is from Star Trek, depending on how. Because yeah. there are some stuff from yeah, the, the 90s Star Trek shows which are like, hey, Red Wolf did it first, and then some the other way around. But Red we're Dwarf's forever, we're just... forever mentioning it. Yeah. yeah, the first six series, man, like, literally everyone is an Goldstein. absolute gem. And they, they are like. They are Star Trek level sci-fi stories with loads of comedy yeah, as well, yeah. like in it. a shorter runtime. Yeah. Like so, basically, don't watch Star Trek. Red Dwarf, Red Dwarf, and Funkin' Soul. There's, 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 there's so many. It feels like Star Trek, uh, not Star Trek, sci-fi and comedy is really hard to kind of get right. It feels like there's been lots of uh, sci-fi sitcoms that have been done for one or two series, but Red Dwarf kind of really got it right. I think because it's that mix of it is high sci-fi ideas but it's also pure sitcom mm. odd couple mm. and that yeah. blending of the two and the writing just really made that and the chemistry mm. uh, yeah, yeah. Also, we're going to try and introduce humour to something that has you know not had it before I mean The Last Jedi people were backlashing about that because it was uh you know, actually took some things a bit lightly and, you know, turned that on its head. It's just like, how dare you? Like, yeah. This is, this is my Bible. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, they did cast Adrian Edmondson as Eddie from Bottom in the first. But just out of interest, like, who are the actors who inspire you as you go on? Like, or who were yeah. the first ones you saw kind of like That's back right. at the beginning and who continue to aspire you to this well, day? I saw that I'm at the age now where hopefully I'm at a point where I'm going, okay. I need to stop having my... You know, there's a point where you go, I need to stop having myself. My, like, yeah, <laughs> you, know, you want to get to that point where you go, I want to work with these people or I want to do that. But you, growing up, I mean, as, as a huge movie and there's countless people I can, you know, name as who, who are my heroes. I was obviously all the classics, you know, De Niro Pacino, Nicholson, mm. Anthony Hopkins, and Brando, all, all the great, great, greats. But I mean, I when, when I was, you know, a teenager, late teenager, Benicio Toro is one of my big, 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 big acting heroes he's i just think what the choices he makes oh yeah the choices are so yeah. so out there so far he just does big big things on 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 the small screen you know like the mm. the, the the it's it's incredible what he does i find him very yeah very inspiring as, as an actor he's amazing it was great to see him back on top form in sicario yeah i mean like i i mean that dinner scene like, yeah yeah, just yeah, like, yeah, yeah oh yeah. my days yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah but there's phenomenal. there's countless i mean i could sit here all day and talk about you know all the actors but um he's he's definitely definitely one of my favorite people who like he's still got that element of mystery about him you know he's yeah. still he's still got something mm, no one's nailed him down yeah 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 100 yeah, percent. um so what's in the future when you say you've got some exciting projects coming up and stuff like that i mean it's kind of it must be a crazy life right now in terms of it feels like you're going back and forth to the States and Toronto and everything like that and kind of moving around constantly. It must be hard to ground yourself sometimes. I suppose, no, I suppose I like that kind of nomadic lifestyle. Like, you know, I've always got my people in my place here, you know, my, my friends from school and all that kind of stuff and they keep me, you know, they keep me, they'll slap me around the face if I do anything, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but That's good though. Yeah, you need that and I need I need them and, and but it's nice to just be able to to live the dream and, and live my dream and, and 
do what I always dreamed of doing and try and do it justice, you know, and try and stay humble and, and, and enjoy the, enjoy, keep enjoying the process, you know, keep enjoying sharing that energy and, mm. and acting, you know, it's what I've literally signed up for and what I wanted to do. So just got to mm. make sure that's the focus at all points, you know. That's been just brilliant to talk to you. Yeah, thank you, man. Really has, yeah. Thank you. And again, some film in there too. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. We always feel like a, the Star Trek podcast that kind of does go off on massive tangents. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that'd be yeah. Like Young Lions. I don't know how we yeah, got that. Yeah, that's man, a good like, one. Yeah, oh, my dad will be happy. Yeah. Like, um, like, yeah, oh, <laughs> yeah. Actually, I mean, our interest talking film, as Paul said, is that anything. What's what have you seen lately that's really hit you? Uh, I watched Lauro, which is a Paolo Sorrentino film, and it was in it was in the Cosmo. Oh, so you Paolo love Sorrentino. Sorrentino, I really think he's a the way he blends music and makes little scenes, mini short films. I don't know how he does the, mm. the way he uses mm. music and, and movement of camera. Yeah, and it's no music video. It is it's no so, music, exactly. It's, exactly, it's the fabric of the film. And, and so this is Tony Savio, who's his main sort of muse. He's oh, a great, 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 yeah. huge <laughs> Italian actor. Yeah. And he's unbelievable. And, and Consequence of Love is one of my favourite favorite movies. But um, this is about Berlusconi. So the movie's just one mm. huge, big... One of the best oh, parts. He's going head on now because he's been hinting at Berlusconi's Italy in all his films. You know, this is literally, literally plays yeah. Berlusconi. It's sort yeah. of just Berlusconi on this little island. He and these people trying to get to him, sort of about this trying to set up a party for Berlusconi, and it's it's brilliant and yeah. it's weird and it's very mm-hmm. one of the weirdest yeah. parties. I'm assuming on a rooftop somewhere. Like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah, some yeah. of the best party scenes I've ever seen. Very yeah. freaky and weird, and, and 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 but Tony Savio just sort of smiling the whole way through. <laughs> he's just got this crazy Berlusconi. <laughs> Face. I remember, I think you lent me Great Beauty just when I'd come back from Italy and like watching yeah, that. Go back. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, that's the thing. Watching that after you just come back from Rome, you're just like, oh, I, I want to do it again. Like, <laughs> yeah. And youth, I think, is one of Kane's like, latter day best performances. As well. Yeah, youth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Graham mm-hmm. Keitel as well. I mean, mm-hmm. like, have you seen youth? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Spoilers. Keitel's like death scene in that. Like, so. It's beautiful, man. Yeah, like, yeah it's it's really. Real Devo, just any of that, you know. Just yeah, his 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 directing style is very very interesting. I'm not going to get on that then because I that's passed me by actually. That coming up. Yeah, yeah. it was very yeah. It just yeah. sort of went by, but it's a very great a great performance, but also just a very weird film. <laughs> but it's like, it's good. Yeah, yeah, he does make weird movies. It, it, it's funny. I kind of think of him in the same breath as I think of the guy who did uh, Force Majeure mm. and The Square. Mm. The Square, man, like that, that <laughs> film. Yeah. It just literally just blew my mind. Yeah. Like, yeah, that some of the sequences in that movie, like it's just, it's like two and a half hours and it's a bit unwieldy and it's all over the place. But when you get like the scene of Terry Notary, yeah, like yeah, yeah, at yeah. Erpai, or the scene with Dominic West and the Tourette Sufferer, <laughs> Or the fucking scene with the condom. Yeah. Like, you know, just like, you are like so in. It's, and it's brilliant. I love that movie. And just that little it. angry kid. Just constantly oh, God, like, that yeah. kid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what does he say? Like, I'll make terror for you or something. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. And it feels so real as well in terms of like what would happen if some random little hardcore kid came up to you. You'd be like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, it's brilliant. But yeah, no, seriously, man, thanks so much for doing Thank this. You. It's Thank been you great it's chatting been great. to you. And uh, yeah, hopefully down the line we'll chat to you again at some point yeah. definitely and yeah. good best of luck yeah, what are you doing yeah coming up yeah, yeah and thank all the guys. projects you're waiting to hear about man thank yeah. you thank you so it's goodbye from us uh, you can find us on social media at Spotlight Pod on Twitter Instagram Facebook if you want to leave us a five star review 
Uh, only, only five stars, please. <laughs> um, on Apple Podcasts, that'd be very, very helpful. And uh, yeah, just feel free to interact with us on social media. It's always great to hear from people. You can send us an email, spotlightpod at gmail.com. Have a good little. That's it. Well done. Amazing. <laughs> and out. Well